Well, good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. Uh, it's a great day, Christmas Eve, a chance for us to gather today in worship. What a, what a, great, uh, a great moment this is for us. Um, I'm really excited we get to share in a few minutes together this morning and think one more time about the Christmas story. Uh, this morning, before uh, I share a few stories and a short message, I wanted to invite my wife up and uh, my, my daughters, and my, I guess Will can come too, and also any children that want to come uh, to hear the Christmas story read before we begin. So any kids in the audience would like to come and join us on stage, it would be really helpful. Otherwise, it would just be me, and she talks to me a lot, but uh, this would be a lot more fun. Yeah, come on, Zoe. Come on. There we go. Come on up. Come on. You're good. Come on, come on. You can look this way if you want. You may want to see the pictures. Just get back. Good morning. Um, are you guys excited? Is today a special day? What is today? Christmas Eve. And whenever I think of Christmas Eve, I think of Santa and presents and lots of fun things. But the most important part of Christmas is what? Jesus, that's right. That's the most important part is the story of Jesus. And every year um, at Christmas, we get to stop and retell this story. And so today, my girls are going to help me read a story to you. Are you guys up for a story? Okay, here we go. Emma's going to read the title. Baby Jesus Was Born. All right, here's the front. Baby Jesus is born. Now in the town of Nazareth, in the land of Galilee, there lived a man named Joseph and his promised wife-to-be. Mary was the woman's name. She was God's favored one, for God had chosen her to be the mother of his son. Do you want to see? It's no fun without the pictures. Caesar Caesar was the emperor 2,000 years ago. He told the folks he ruled to make a, a trip quite hard and slow. Joseph knew he had to heed the emperor's decree, so he and Mary set out from the land of Galilee. At last they came to Bethlehem, a town of little size. Now the streets were crowded, which was not a great surprise. Here are your pictures. Did you notice the rhyme? Could you hear the rhyme? Joseph asked an innkeeper, Do you have room for two? No, he said to Joseph, who then sighed, What should we do? I'm sorry, said the innkeeper. I really am unable to provide a room for you. But wait, I have a stable. 
on that night our Lord was born to save all folk on earth. And that is why we are still here today, observe his holy birth. This baby was promised king, God's son, this couple knew. And so they named him Jesus as God had told them to. Some shepherds in a field nearby were tending to their flock when suddenly an angel came. Imagine their great shock. God's holy light surrounded them and they were so dismayed. But then the angel of the Lord said, do not be a... Afraid. I bring you good and joyous news for everyone this day. A Savior has been born to you. To him, go find your way. You will find this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. You will know him by these signs, and so this child will not be a stranger. Then suddenly great numbers of God's angels from the sky appeared and sang his praises. Glory glory be to God on high. Can you imagine seeing all those angels? They hurried off and found the child, just as the angel said, inside a humble stable with a manger for his bed. They knelt beside this holy child. They ran to spread the word, telling everyone they met of what they'd seen and heard. The end. Thank you, guys. You can go back to your parents. Put it back up here. Put it back up here. Thanks. All right. All right. Good job. Thank you, guys, so much for that. Uh, I don't know about you, but the best part of Christmas is what? The food? (laughs) It's not the answer I was looking for. Short sermons. Okay, I'm just going to stop asking questions and start doing the talking here. Uh, I was going to say the presents. I thought that was pretty obvious, especially since I was bringing gifts up on stage. Uh, This week I was thinking about this question. Um, What does God want to give you for Christmas? I don't know if you've thought about that. If God could give you something for Christmas, what would God give you? What would you want God to give you for Christmas? Now, I'll be honest, I don't know the answer to that question uh, but uh, I want to share with you three quick stories, and maybe, maybe one of these will help, uh, help you understand maybe something of what God wants to give you or remind you of uh, during this Christmas season. And each of, these, each of these stories is represented by one of these gifts uh, in, in a picture that kind of tells the story. Uh, this first one is a picture of a lady by the name of Crystal White. Now, Crystal is a young mom, two kids, a son that's one-year-old, and a daughter that's three. Uh, her husband, Andrew... Uh, works on cell phone towers, and they live up in Michigan. Only problem is, is uh, this time of year in December especially, there's just not a lot of work for Andrew. 
Uh, Crystal, uh, like a lot of us uh, young parents, uh, goes to Walmart to shop for presents and toys and all those things. And the good thing about uh, Walmart and the good thing about this time of year especially, especially if you're a young family like this and, and money is tight, money is hard to come by, uh, they have a thing that you may know of called layaway, right? And what you can do as a parent or as any person really is you can go get uh, your items together and if you don't have quite enough money to buy them all on that day, you can go back to the customer service desk and you can ask them to hold them, put them on layaway. And the cool thing is that you can then make uh, interest-free payments on these items until you can pay them off and take them home. Uh, it's a really neat program. And Crystal and Andrew were taking advantage of, of layaway at their local New Hudson Walmart up in Michigan. Only trouble was that the deadline to make that final payment was coming due. It was going to be $300. And they didn't have the money. And they're stressing out. They're worried. They're not sure what to do. Uh, the, the, the biggest problem is if they didn't make the payment on time, if they weren't able to collect their items on time, not only do they lose those gifts and presents they had you know, set aside for their kids for Christmas, but um, they lose the money that they'd already paid in as well. And so you can imagine how stressed and worried this young mom was, especially with Christmas and the holidays approaching, and the prospect that Christmas may come, Christmas morning may come, and her and her husband don't have any presents for, for their children. Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy and cheer, but they're stressed out, they're worried, and they're a little bit sad. Uh, this next story is um, about a man by the name of George Harley. I found this story uh, while reading Max Lucado's book, uh, Because of Bethlehem. Uh, Dr. George Harley lived in 19... 1926, sorry, 1926. Uh, He's a medical missionary, and he went to the Mano tribe of Liberia, where he set up a clinic. And it wouldn't take long until he was serving over 10,000 patients a year. When he built the clinic, he also built a chapel. And his hope and his desire was that through being a medical missionary and helping people with their physical needs, that he could also fill his chapel and tell people about Jesus. And that's the reason that he had gone to Liberia and gone as a missionary to this place. It wasn't just to help people physically. It was to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. But in five years' time, while his clinic was an incredible success, not one single person from the Mano tribe had come to his chapel on Sunday to hear about Jesus. So you can imagine on the one hand how excited he was that the clinic was going well, but also how grieved he was that He didn't have the opportunity on Sunday to tell people why he was even there. Well, within those first five years, uh, he and his wife had their first child uh, named Robert. And one day as, as, as Dr. Harley was looking out the window of his clinic, he saw his son Robert running across the field, leaving the edge of the forest, the jungle there, coming towards him. And as he was running, Robert fell. So he kind of took notice of that, of course. And Robert got back up and ran a, a few more steps. Then he fell again, except this time he didn't get up. Well, immediately he knew something was wrong, so he dropped what he was doing. He, he ran outside the clinic and ran across the field and picked up his son. And right away he knew something was wrong. His little boy, Robert, was burning up with a fever, a tropical fever. He picked him up like any good father would and said, I got gotcha. you. I know how to fix this. I know how, to, I know how to heal this disease. I know how to cure the tropical fever. So he took him back into his clinic that he had built for all these people of Liberia. And he began to treat his own son. Problem was, the fever raged on, and 
He tried treatment after treatment, medicine after medicine. Nothing he had would touch it. And a few days later, a few days later, that fever took his son's life. He went out to his workshop, took some wood, built a small coffin, began to carry it out to where he could find a clearing in a field and bury his five-year-old boy. So he began to walk. An elderly man from the community saw him and came up to him and asked him what was going on, what was the box. Dr. Harley told him it was his son and that he had died of the fever. The man grabbed the other end of the box and helped him carry it out to the field where they buried his boy that day. Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy and laughter, and especially with kids. But this man was overcome with grief. This last story, also a true story, uh, is about a man by the name of William Weaver. Uh, William Weaver, uh, back in, let's see, it was 1967, Christmas Eve in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, William Weaver at this time was 18 years old, and he was walking down the, the street in his neighborhood when he saw a boy coming towards him on a bike. And he thought, that bike looks a lot like, like my little brother's bike. So he got home, and he went in, and he found his brother Wayne. His brother Wayne's about 10 years old, and he said, Wayne, well, oh, where's your bike? And he said, well, it's outside the front of the house by the steps. And he went out and looked, and it wasn't there. Well, William and Wayne said, we're, we're going to go hunt down this kid and find out where he lives, and we're going to get your bike back. And if you've ever been an 18-year-old or a 10-year-old boy, you know what you're thinking. We're going to go beat this kid up, right? <laughs> we're going to take back what's ours. Well, father, their dad got, got wind of this plan, and he decided to go along with them. And they, they go out hunting, hunting for this boy and find out where he lived and to get uh, their bike back. And so they're walking around the streets of the neighborhood, looking down the alleyways, trying to figure out where he is. And then they see it. They see the bike. And, of course, William and Wayne are ready to go, you know, knock heads with this kid and, and find out, you know, why in the world he stole their bike. But their dad said, ah, calm down. Before we go, you know, barging in, let's go knock on the door. I want to talk to this kid, and I want to see what's going on. And he had questions that needed answers, and he wanted to find out what in the world was going on with this kid and why he would steal one of his boy's bikes on Christmas Eve. Hold on to those stories. We'll come back to them in a moment. Uh, what can God give you for Christmas? What would you want God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to give you for Christmas? Again, I don't know the answer to that question, but my feeling is that if God could do one thing for you, if he could, if he could give you something for Christmas, which, by the way, I just even love that question, right? Because a lot of people in the world think that what God wants is he wants something from you. But the God that we know, the God that we serve, the God that we love, isn't a God that wants a lot from you. He wants, he's a God that wants to give you everything, right? He was, he's the God that, he was the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's the ultimate gift giver. In fact, as your father, nothing makes him more happy, more proud, nothing fills his heart with more joy than to see you receive the gifts that he has given you, because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of our God. He is a generous God. He is a good father, and he loves to give gifts, and no one loves you more than him. No one knows you better than him. He's the ultimate gift giver. What could God give you? I don't know, but my guess is if God could give you something, if he could give you one thing, it would probably be this. 
You would probably want God to give you the answer to one of these three questions. And the first question is this. Can God give me what I need? God, can you give me what I need? Can you provide for me? Now, I'm not talking about wanting a new car for Christmas. That's all great and fantastic. Some of you are praying for a Porsche today. I get that, you know. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. And if you're praying for a new car, you're probably praying for something too small when you're talking to the God of the universe. But some of us, some of you, probably have a legitimate need. Like Crystal, like Andrew, you've got legitimate financial needs. There are things pressing in, bills that have to be paid. There are problems that need to be solved in your life, in your world. And really, if God could just help, if he could just provide, if he could come through in some way because you are in desperate need of God to provide for your needs. God, can you give me what I need? Or maybe it's this. This is, this is a real serious question. God, can you heal? Fill in the blank. Can you heal this person? Can you heal this sickness? Can you heal this disease? Can you heal this problem? Can you heal this marriage? Can you heal this relationship? God, can you heal? And we know that God can heal. And our faith isn't a faith that says that God will heal. It's a a faith that says God can heal. We believe God can. And sometimes God does. But God doesn't answer to us. God isn't a genie in a bottle. He's not here to grant us our three wishes. But we know that he is able. Our faith is a faith that doesn't say God will. It's a faith that says God can. And the question that some of you want to answer today is, God, can you? Can you heal this person? Can you heal this problem? Can you heal this relationship? Like like Dr. Harley, this Christmas you're filled with more grief than joy. Because there's something in your life, something in your world that needs healing. And your question to God is, God, can you do that for me? God, can you heal? Or maybe your question is this. Maybe it's, God, can you just answer my questions? Some of you, just like William's dad, you got more questions than answers. And you're wondering, God, God, uh, where are you? God, why is this happening? God, how long will this last? God, are you there? God, are you even real? And some of you, if God could do one thing for you this Christmas, just a few simple answers would do you a world of good. You just need to know, God, can you answer my questions. Well, if this Christmas for you is filled with anything like that, if you've got any confusion, if you've got any stress, any worry, any pain, any problems, anything that's broken, anything that's just not quite working out right as you head into the Christmas season, then I want to tell you one more story. One more story about a time where the whole world was in a tremendous state of chaos and upheaval. A story about a time when, when it felt like things were spinning out of control and there was scandal involved and there weren't easy answers. There were problems that couldn't be fixed. And it's in the middle of, of this story that God decided, that love decided to come down again, except this time it would be like no other time before. You heard the story that Alicia read to the kids earlier, but let's Let's read it one more time from Luke chapter 2. Luke, again, is a doctor, a physician, a Greek. 
He, he's the one that did the research that went around and interviewed everyone he could find who was an eyewitness of Jesus. And then he wrote down this account, and no doubt he got the story straight from the mouth of Mary. Luke 2, verse 1. Luke says this, At that time, the, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, not quite married, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Talk about being stressed out. Talk about being worn out. Nine months pregnant, making a journey on a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Talk about having more questions than answers. An unwed mother, an unexpected pregnancy, an unplanned trip. No place to stay. Like, this is the story of all stories. This is the story of, of God coming from heaven to earth, except in this extraordinary story, it's incredibly ordinary. I'm sure Mary and Joseph are thinking, we're not asking for much, but maybe one little miracle, like maybe an available room would be nice. Can you give us a vacancy sign somewhere along the road here? Every place is full. In the middle of this chaos, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the questions, in the middle of the grief, in the middle of the loneliness, in the middle of, of all of that, Jesus, in the most humble of circumstances, comes down from heaven to earth. And that love came down from heaven to earth, was born. This is what we believe. And that baby that was born was the Son of God. And he would grow up. And some 33 years later, he would give his life on a cross. And he did that so that you would know that love has come down to us, that what God wants to give you, that what God wants to give me is this assurance that you and I are loved, that God is for you, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that there, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because God is for you. And if, if he is for you, there is nothing that can come against you. And you need to know this, that this is why love came down. This is why, this is why heaven came to earth. This is why God descended so that you would know, you would not have any doubt. God, he's for you. He's got your back. And he has paid your debt. Crystal, this is the cool part of the story. Crystal got a call from uh, her Walmart in New Hudson. And the customer service uh, manager said, Crystal, you need to come pick up your toys and your gifts and your presents. And Crystal's like, I can't. We don't have the money. And the customer service manager said, no, 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 you don't understand. Someone has come in and paid off your account. You need to come get your stuff. 
She started to cry, and she didn't understand, and she's asking questions of the customer service manager at Walmart, and he says, all I can tell you is that an anonymous man came in, and he paid off 10 different layaway accounts, those that we could find that we knew had toys and gifts for children, and yours was one of the accounts he chose. You need to come in and get your stuff. Your debt's been paid. It's ready. Come get your gifts. Well, of course, she's just like a basket of tears. She calls her husband, Andrew. But you, you're not going to believe the phone call I just got. He's dumbfounded, too. Like, what? This is unbelievable. Are you kidding me? He's crying. She's crying. And all they can say is, we've got to find a way one day to pay this forward because of what this person has done for us. Have you ever had a debt paid off? I mean, that's what God has done for you. I mean, he has come, and he has paid your debt on the cross. So that you, so that I, can be completely free to know that God is for us. He is for us. And God isn't just for us. He's with us. Have you ever thought about this? What were Mary's first words when Jesus was born and she held the Son of God in her arms? I have no earthly idea. But I wonder if she held Jesus that first night. And looked into his eyes and said, ah, so this is what God looks like. And in that moment, she had no doubt that the God of the universe was with her. Because he was literally with her. As she held Jesus, she knew that God was with her. And because God came down and he was born to Mary... And he walked the earth and he dwelled among us. We can know that God is with us too. God is with you too. And whatever pain, whatever grief, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle for you is real right now, you need to know that God isn't just for you. God is with you. This is who God is. He's a God who is with. He's never not with. Because that would be totally against his nature. He is always with. He is with you. This is who he is. And when you cry, he cries. Ask Mary and Martha as they watch Jesus cry over their brother, his friend Lazarus, at his death. Jesus cried knowing he was going to raise him up. He cried. God cries when you cry. He hurts when you hurt. Because God is with you. And when you see the face of God, you know it changes everything. That God is with you too. That's what happened Dr. George Harley. When they finished burying his boy, he just, he had held it together as best he could. But in that moment, as the coffin lay down in the grave, he just burst into tears. Hands over his face, tears everywhere. And I want to read you what George said happened in his own words. This is what he said. He said, when I started crying, the old man who was with him from the tribe, the old man cocked his head in stunned amazement. He squatted down beside me and looked at me so intently. For a long time, he just sat there listening to me cry. Then suddenly, he leaped to his feet and went running back up the trail through the jungle, screaming again and again at the top of his voice, white man, white man, he cries like one of us. George went back to his little cottage with his wife. And they're grieving together that night, the loss of their boy. Asking all the questions I'm sure you and I would ask of each other and of God. 
And that night, there was a knock on the door. They opened the door, and there stood the chief of the Mano tribe with every man, woman, and child with him. And they walked with, with George and his wife to the chapel that Sunday night. And they wanted George to tell them about Jesus. And the next Sunday, they were all back. And every Sunday after. Because when they saw the face of this father cry, it changed everything. And when you and I see the face of our father, it changes everything for us too. Because it reminds us that God is with us. That God is with us. But the best news isn't just that God is for us or that God is with us. I think the best news of the Christmas story is really the best news of the gospel story. And it's the simple truth that God isn't just for us, and he is. He isn't just with us, and he is. But the Christmas story reminds us that God is in us. William Weaver was there with his, son, his brother Wayne and his dad. His dad went and knocked on the door of that little you know, shack for a house. The house was dark. They weren't even sure if anybody was there. They knock on the door, and this old man with a cane comes to the door, and they see the boy who had taken the bike back in the corner, and he's crying. Come to find out it's the man's grandson. And he's standing there with his cane looking at uh, the, William's father, and immediately they knew what, what had happened. The boy had stolen the bike, and his only answer was that he just wanted something for Christmas. William's dad took his boys, they got the bike, they went home that Christmas Eve, walked into their house, told their mom what had happened. Without even saying a word, William's mom took the turkey that she had been making for dinner that night and just cut it right down the middle in half. Took all the fixings, cut it all in half, got it all prepared. William's dad went to the coal yard, got a huge sack of coal, came back to the house, grabbed his boys, hollered at William and said, Hey, don't we have an extra bike? Yeah. They took the food that mom had prepared. They took the big bag of coal for heat and warmth for the house. They took the bike and they walked back on Christmas Eve to the old man's house where the boy lived. And, of course, they knocked on the door again. And this time when they walked in, they gave him the food. They gave him the bike. They gave him the sack of coal. And then William's dad did something else. He reached in his pocket and grabbed a $20 bill, which back in that day was a pretty good amount of money. And gave it to the old man who just lost it, began to cry. And William would say, I don't remember what I got that Christmas. Or if if I even got much of anything. But I'll never forget what my dad did. You see, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was a chauffeur, a driver. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have much of anything. But I'll never forget the extravagant gift that my father gave that family that night and what it did to me on the inside and how it changed me. I think the same is true for us. When we take a look at the extravagant gift that our Father has given, it changes something on the inside of us too. Because God literally gave us His Son. He literally gives us His Spirit to live in us. And it's a reminder that God is for us, that God is with us, and that God is in us, that God so loved the world. 
that he gave the greatest gift, his one and only son, so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Church, if you would, let's stand. So this is the heart of the story. That love came down to Mary and that love came down to all of us. That love came down so that you would know that God is for you, God is with you, and God is in you. And it's my prayer today and this Christmas that you would remember that, that you would know that, and that that truth would change everything about you. And that as we go out from this day to go to our homes, to eat good food and open presents, that you would remember, you would remember what God wants to give you. What God has always wanted to give you is his son. Let's sing.